0: Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Well, uh, take your Bibles, and um, we're going to take a look at it. I I only have one, uh, one thing I want you to walk out of this room with today. That's kind of my goal. I don't have a lot of time this morning because we spent so much time in worship, and, which is awesome. You know me, I, I'm all about it. And, um, but we've been talking about the Father's heart now for, thank you for staying with me on that. I don't know how many weeks we've been on it, but um, we, have, we have been down an amazing journey and um, about how the Father loves you truly. And like I've said before, when I went to when I went to Bible college and I studied pneumatology, I studied ecclesiology, I studied Christology, um, but I never studied fatherology. That was never a Bible college course because there's no classes that actually teach you the heart of the father or who the father is, at least in the Bible colleges that I was familiar with. That might have changed now, I don't know. But it's, it, it's so interesting that that there was never a class on the the Father heart of God, even though Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and my job is actually to bring you to the Father. Jesus actually said in many occurrences, especially in John 17, where he's talking to the Father, he says, I've revealed you. I've, I've let people know who you are by the life that I lived. So if you really want to see the image of the Father, you look at Jesus, the Son. And Jesus is the way to the Father. And often what we've done is we've gotten stuck on the way. And Jesus is amazing. He's God. He's the champion of heaven. But He went to the cross to give us access to the Father's heart. He gave it, he's given us access to the Father's heart. It's all right here. It's right there, okay? So, so we've been on this journey, and, and we've talked about, you know, where we're actually seated, and we're actually seated, and I used the three chairs as an illustration, so I've used that a lot. I'm not going to do that today, except to say that, that we, are, we are in Christ, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are face to face, and we are actually face to face with God. That's the privileged place we have when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's positioned us in him, and he is in the Father, and the Father is in him. And so we have this, uh, the more, I I just would encourage you, the more you study this, the more um, you will be apprehended by what the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has done for you. You will never have another problem with, should I worship God right now? Do I need to worship God right now? The more you understand the revelation of the heart of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and what they did to provide access for you to enter into that place, it's something I think will continue to unfold throughout all eternity. I mean, we're just going to get another layer Another something else that's peeled back that we didn't know about, that has to do with the revelation of His love. And so, th- this is kind of the journey we've been on, and we spent a lot of time kind of diving into the um, the foundation. You know, when you deal with the foundation, you put the rebar in. You know, you 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 know you put the you put the cement in. You and you have to do it. You have to do it slowly. You can't you can't you know you can't lay cement you know quickly also what'll happen is that you'll lay some of that cement really nice but the other one will be destroyed because you just didn't have the manpower or so forth to actually do it we actually learned that out when we built a house in Eugene Oregon So there was a there was a, a friend of ours who was going to lay the patio and he had to lay the sidewalk around the side of the house, and then the patio, and I said, you think you can get it all done in one day? Well, he actually said, if we can get it done in one day. We only had three people. So he was really ambitious, and so we went ahead, and we had the, I think we had a truck, or I don't know how we mixed the concrete, and what we did is we started to lay the concrete, and what happened was we had so much concrete, it started to dry, and and as it started to dry, you know, if it's going to dry, if it's not laid right, it's, you might as well just break up the concrete and start over. But there was a guy, his name was Mike, and he was by the gate, which went down the side of the house. And all he did, probably for 16 feet or maybe eight, probably 16 feet, maybe longer, all he did for, f- for four or five hours was to work on that piece that went all the way back. We're scrambling to get the patio you know, but all he did he just stayed with, and that's the only part that really survived. so when you build it yeah anyway yeah i was I was not a happy camper at that point, but but the the, the purpose of that simple story is to say that we, when we lay a foundation, we have to lay the foundation piece by piece so that we can actually understand you know and build upon those those layers those foundation pieces. So that's what we did, and, uh, and that's what we're, we've been doing. Now we're going to kind of turn things a little bit, and we're going to now talk about the real practical side of this. Is that okay with everybody? So, uh, and we, we laid out some practical stuff as we were moving along, but, but it's almost like how Paul writes Romans, you know, or he writes his epistles. He lays down the kind of the theological framework, and then he gets practical. You know, if you read Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, it's about, you know, the heavens and the manifest wisdom of God and all this, and then he ends up with, like, this is how you need to love your wife, you know, based on this to this. And so, so I would say here today is kind of like in the brief, golly, the clock says 11 minutes. In the, in the brief time that I have with you, it's not going to be 11 minutes, I guarantee you that. So, um is kind of this is like the turning point. And this is where, um, where I think uh, a lot of people who really truly have a heart for God can kind of fall off the ladder. And so this might apply to most of you, some of you. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it applies to me. So, um, so that's what we're going to dive into today. That good? Yep. All right. So um, now that we know that we are placed as sons and daughters. Everyone say amen to that, if you remember that. How do we begin to live from this place of, of sonship? And so um, Tozer, when I was writing this out this week, I was, I was reminded of Tozer's favorite, you know, was this for, A.W. Tozer? Famous quote, he goes, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say it again, if you, don't, if you haven't heard this quote, I think it's amazing. What comes into our minds when we think about God, is the most important thing about us. First of all, let's establish, we've, this is review, but, but for the sake of just kind of laying that foundation and kind of building on it now, God is not a master. He's a father. He is love and continues to pursue us with his love. For many of us, we have seen God as a master we have seen god the father as impersonal we have we have seen jesus because we can read about jesus he was in the flesh there's a historical content or context around jesus but when it comes to the father it's always it was always a bit mystical just it's a little out of reach and so often in with myself growing up, God was the the Father was the one with He was the He was the Ancient of Days, like ancient, like long white beard, you know, hair that was kind of like this, and and He had a portal that He was looking down on humanity, and it was almost like this thing about if you mess up, the Father's really going to be kind of tweaked, and part of that comes from our reading of the Old Testament to be quite honest. And because, of the, because the sin problem wasn't taken care of, the blood of Jesus hadn't been poured out. Grace was measured differently in the Old Testament. And so now grace comes through the finished work of Jesus by faith, and now our hearts are stained with the blood of Jesus. And the, the, the ramifications of the blood and the work of Jesus is, I don't even know how to explain it. It's as far as the East is from the West. I mean, just to, to understand that you've been justified and to understand that you are now seated in heavenly places and you are, you are under the blood of Jesus and that the Father sees us through the blood of His Son is everything. I mean, that's the foundation to the Christian life. Is there anyone in the room today? Yes? Okay. I just, just want to know. So... Second Corinthians chapter 518, let me just kind of race through these and then kind of set the principle. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.30 and 31, it says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, everyone say amen who has become for us the wisdom from God that is our righteousness holiness and redemption therefore it is written let him who boast boast in the let him boast in the lord so we are restored based on the finished work of jesus back into friendship or sonship with the lord Reconciliation means to, to make friends again. So what the father did is he sent the son so that we have this opportunity to be friends with God through receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. See, people who are resisting the gospel are resisting not only friendship with God, but family, sonship, with the Lord. Are you guys out there today? Am I the point I want to begin to develop is this reconciliation with God is not mankind's idea. But God's idea. Jesus left heaven to restore the broken relationship that we had through sin. Who is the initiator? Man or God? God is. Super important to understand. It's also important to understand that the Father created us. We are made in His image and likeness. Romans talks about us being His offspring. So even in our rebellion he came downward from heaven to earth and sought restoration through the death and resurrection of his son Jesus. Are we all, everyone good there? Yes. All right, very good. You guys are amazingly anointed. <laughs> Turn to the person next to you and say, say that, that's true. You can say it like that too if you want to. Let's talk about let's talk about religion, and I'm going to call this uh, I'm not gonna, I'm going to call this true Christianity, and I, I'm not going to even touch the rest of that statement though I really want to. We'll just call it true Christianity. Everyone say true Christianity, because there is a muddied anyway. I, let's talk about let's talk about the let's talk about the difference between the two in the context of God coming down. Religion, the, the source of religion, originates with man. It's an upward reach to somehow meet the expectation of the divine to gain favor, protection, provision through rituals, service, and sacrifice. Religion originates with mankind. It's an upward reach where religion recognizes the divine and creates a means to reach up to somehow meet their expectations, that is the divine, their their gods, I'll just say that, to gain favor, protection, provision through rituals, service, and sacrifice. True Christianity, well, let me just say one other statement about religion. So mankind is the author of religion and God is the object. Does that make sense? True Christianity, the source is found in the heart of God, not humanity. True Christianity is initiated by the love of God. And it flows down. It doesn't reach up. Are you guys all right? If not, just pray for me. True Christianity originates in and gushes from the heart of a father, God is the author of true Christianity. And we, mankind, or humanity, are the object of his love and affection. All religion can do is constantly reach up through works, sacrifice, to satisfy the demands of their God to gain favor and approval. True Christianity is constantly flowing down with the demands already satisfied in Christ. We are receivers now of the life of God. Religion reaches up to earn life and love. True Christianity flows down, freely giving life and love to us from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Religion reaches up with uncertainty that maybe they will be accepted. True Christianity flows down with full assurance of our significance and complete approval. Religion reaches up. For peace. True Christianity flows down with peace. Religion reaches up for purpose. True Christianity flows down with purpose. Religion is about mankind reaching up to God, i.e., the Tower of Babel or Babel, however you want to say it. True Christianity is God reaching down to mankind. Through the incarnation of Jesus. Religion reaches up. True Christianity flows down. This is the point I want us to grab a hold of today. We are transformed not by striving and reaching up, but by yielding and allowing the life of, the, of God to flow down. Turn to Philippians chapter 3, 2 through 10. It's so quiet in here, I can't even hear Bible pages turning. I know things are digital, but come on. Philippians chapter 3. Paul was stuck in a religious paradigm. Before he met Jesus, he was caught in a system that was reaching up. It was called the Pharisees. It was called the Sadducees. They were Sadducees. Anyway, you heard that. They were the scribes. So, so these were systems put in place because they didn't believe that God could flow down into the heart of men and women, but they had to be constantly uh, guided and and run by, only I could think of, driven by, is probably a better word, by the law. And the law served its purpose in terms of reaching up. But even in the midst of that, it was temporary until Jesus came down. If you just re- looked at Philippians chapter 2, you see that he emptied himself. He came down, took on flesh, became a man, walked among us, and voluntarily went to the cross. So we can have, again, access to the Father. But here's the point I'm trying to make this afternoon now, is that all of life flows down from heaven to earth. So Philippians chapter 3, let's just kind of get a snapshot of where Paul's at when he's talking to the church in in Philippi. And really, a lot of the letters in the New Testament is Paul trying to get these new believers, into the place where, you guys, all of life flows down from heaven to earth, from the Father into your heart. But there were people who were trying to sneak in, and he calls them dogs. He calls them, I mean, I don't know what, you know, it's almost Christian cussing, but he calls them dogs. He calls them whatever. And he says, these people are trying to come in and tell you you have to be circumcised. That you have to carry on some of the Jewish traditions in order for you to gain salvation. And Paul was clearly upset and had a righteous anger toward that because he says, look, if you take a piece of that law and you bring that into your Christian life, you might as well obey the whole law and you'll never obey the whole law because everything was taken place, everything was done by the cross of Jesus and now his blood is actually redeeming you and restoring you because everything flows down and not up. So watch out for those dogs. I'm reading <laughs> Philippians chapter 3. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. That's brutally were right there for it is we who are of the circumcision we who serve god by his spirit who boast in christ jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh that simply means no confidence in our own efforts though i myself have reasons for such confidence cuz he's going to start talking about a little bit about his past if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, has uh, a Pharisee. as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection in the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Religion is nothing less than confidence in the flesh. Religion is nothing less than our own achievements and our own efforts to try and access God. It's reliance on our own ability to reach God. To somehow win love rather than receive it. It's dependency and reliance is on humanity, not the Father. So we strive. We reach. We cut our bodies. We throw our mat down five times a day trying to earn some favor with the divine, never even having the assurance that we're even loved. Are you guys all right? The source of true Christianity always flows downward from the Father into our hearts. It's not found independently within me, nor can it be found in striving and working hard to love God to somehow please God, to somehow appease God. It says in Colossians 1.27, it's Christ in me, the hope of Romans five 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Everything flows down. Who, has been, who He has given us. Romans 5.5 in the Passion Translation, I like this one. The best, sorry. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Transformation is the life of God flowing from heaven to earth, flowing within me changing me from the inside out. When I, got, when I first got saved, I, I, thought, I thought the book of Job said job. Like, I knew nothing about the Bible. You know, I, I, I didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John ever existed. I didn't know who, I didn't even know what a disciple was. I don't know what an apostle was. I knew nothing about nothing, except something was going on inside of me. The things I used to love, I began to hate. And the things I used to hate, I began to love. It wasn't because a list was thrown at me. It was the work of God coming into my heart from heaven to earth, cascading into my heart that was changing me from the inside out. Now, funny thing is, we start there, but we don't usually end there. we if we're not careful we start with grace and then there's a mixture of works so we have a christianity that is stressful that's built on lists that's filled with discipline and not filled with not fueled with passion now if you're not if i haven't convinced you yet because i only had 20 minutes Take a look at Galatians. I'm scrolling all the way down. Chapter 3. Paul's arguing. He's not even arguing. He's bringing correction. Because Paul says you have a lot of teachers, but you don't have many fathers. So Paul's addressing the church in Galatia as a father. And he says to them, what? Has happened to you Galatians to be acting so foolishly? You must have been under some kind of evil spell. This is the Passion Translation. Didn't God open your eyes to see the meaning of Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't he revealed to you as the crucified one? So answer me this. (laughs) He's a ferret, you know, like, this guy knows, anyway. Did the Holy Spirit come to you as a reward for keeping all the Jewish laws. No, you received him as a gift because you believed in the Messiah. Your new life is the, your new life in the anointed one began with the Holy Spirit giving you new birth. Why then would you Foolishly turn from living in the Spirit by trying to finish by your own works. Now I have to go up. I'm ready to make this two parts. 1 Peter chapter 1. Let's look at these. Verses 3 and 4. I love this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let me just clarify that in a moment here by reading to you out of the Passion. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in you. By His divine power, For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Everything in the Christian life flows down from the Father's love and the Father's love is the source of the Christian life. Everything in the Christian life is a gift. Gifts are not earned. They're received. Sonship is receiving the continual flow of God's love and affection into our hearts, allowing Him to transform us from the inside out. What happened to the church in Galatia? It became a mixture of grace and works. Well, what about James, the book of James? It's out of your affection for Jesus that we do good works. I don't do good works to earn his affection. Listen. You don't do good works to earn the affection of God. The affection of God is, all, is already pointed to you in full force. That's what draws you to the Father. It's not based on merit. It's not based on somehow appeasing God or getting God on your good side. If I could just get God on my good side by doing all these things, then somehow maybe he'll answer my prayers. Listen, you're already on his good side. Why is that? Because of the cross with the finished work of Jesus has put you on his good side. You don't have to earn the good side of God. Well, how does that affect me as a son? That means you can come before him boldly. Yes, with all your flaws, with all the sin, with all the junk that you have in your life. That you can actually, you're not offending God because He's not even seeing you through the lens of, of Him seeing you just as who you are. He's seeing you through the blood of Jesus. So you can come before Him and be vulnerable. And the measure of vulnerability, the more, in order for me to be more vul, vulnerable, I better understand that the person who I'm gonna be vulnerable with truly loves me. Because I will not be vulnerable to someone who I think doesn't love me. But the more we understand and receive the love of God, the more vulnerable we can come before him and say, Lord, I blew it this week. I mean, I made some some really stupid mistakes. Now fill me right now. Teach me right now. I'm leaning on you right now. What mistakes have I made? And let the love of God come into your heart to transform you so then out of that that place of presence, you can go ahead and impact the life of your family. But what we're trying to do is we just grab, we just grab more fig leaves. We just grab more, we're trying to cover ourselves up because we don't understand the grace of God. If we're going to learn to live as sons and daughters, then we have to stop striving and trying to gain some measure of approval from God. Like I understand theologically we, we might get it, but when it comes right down to my 24-7, my week, do I really actually come into this place of just being vulnerable before the Lord and being fully accepted based on the finished work of Jesus and allow the life and the love of God to fill me, to change me? This is Paul's argument in Galatians. This is why Paul stood up to Peter. Peter. And said, like in Jerusalem, you're acting one way, but when you come to Antioch, you're acting another way, and that's not right, like face-to-face with the dude, Peter. Everything's a gift. Your faith is a gift. Grace is a gift. Jesus is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. Did you earn it? but you can receive it. I think that's the challenge of God's heart. Will you just receive by faith? Salvation. Jesus paid the price, but it's a gift. Today is a gift. Your next breath is a gift. Your family is a gift. Everything flows down from heaven. That's the resource. That's why spending time with God is so important. It's not to earn something, it's not working harder to be a better Christian. It's better just to receive the love and the life of God to be a better Christian. Let it flow. What's John 15 all about then? The branch is connected to the vine. The branch is not stressing out. As long as it's connected, life flows from the vine to the branch. And a healthy branch produces fruit. That's what he's trying to say. And within the fruit, remember that? Within the fruit is the seed. And the seed is carried and deposited. I still can't get over that thought that the actual fruit is there to protect the seed. The seed is Christ in you. And people just pick at your fruit they're going to get to that seed, birds take it, deposit it, it just grows. That's why the kingdom of God can't be stopped. That's why it says it's, it's like yeast and dough. Once it's in, can't stop it. But here's, here's, this is just the, the point I want to make, and I, I know I'm kind of going all over the place, but I'm saying the point I want you to watch is that I just want you to meditate on this. Everything from the kingdom flows from the heart of the Father. If you want to say the triune God, you can do that. doesn't matter to me. But everything that flows, everything that comes into our life is a gift from God that flows from God. And out of that come good works. That's why your time with God, I'm not talking about like, we even do this, like, I'm big on schedules and calendars. Like I I have to-do lists and I have digital calendars. I'm too much of a tech person to be quite honest with you. But I want to be in communion with the Lord 24-7. I want to be connected. I want the life of God to be flowing in me. You might be a construction worker. You want the life of God to be flowing in you on the job site. You might be an engineer. You want the life of God to be flowing in you. You know, you could be at Facebook or Google, you, whatever, Housewife. You want the life of God to be constantly flowing in you. It's like Jesus talked about there's rivers of living water flowing in you. Access it. And I just want to kind of break this all this striving that we see in the church. And people are... Lord, do you really want me to? Okay. So it's like, you know, even on the social media, like we compare ourselves and we we do all this stuff, and like we compare ourselves to everyone else's highlight reel. You know, our Instagram highlight reel, our Facebook highlight reel, and we just like, we find ourselves comparing, and then we get into Twitter, and all these different things are going on, and you're going to get depressed. And we spend so much more time on social media than we do in the presence. I guarantee you, like I deleted Facebook and Twitter off my phone. Just deleted it. Because the Lord convicted me. He goes, whose whose voice has your time? Whose voice has your time? And that's a loving statement from a loving father. I said, okay, you know, you hold it down and it wiggles, and it has a little circle with an X, bam, bam, deleted it. I don't do it because I'm trying to earn favor. I'm doing it because I want to know the Lord. So, as we go into this whole area of sonship, it all flows from heaven. You know what you can do then? You can rest. You can receive. And then you can respond. Everyone say rest. Rest. Can I just give you permission to rest? Can I just give you permission to take a deep breath? and exhale. You know what the Bible says? There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Everyone say nothing. You guys are just staring at me. I know you're supposed to, but So I can't wait to dig into the now, the practical side. The reason why I want to dig into the practical side, the reason why this comes first is that I don't want you to get the practical side and feel like I have to do this, 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 all this kind of stuff all over. We're, we're reading books. That's, you know, all this kind of stuff. No. Like, we're going to get into the Word, but it's all going to be resource from heaven to earth. It's going to be resource from the Father's heart to yours. And the Holy Spirit's going to do His thing, and Jesus is going to do His thing, and I don't know how it all works, but I'm glad it does. Yeah. All right. Let's stand. Well, before we pray, uh, I, I wanted to pray for um, Korean and Asha and family. They are moving to Atlanta, huh? The family is expanding, yes. So we're, we're yes, we have a convergence person. That's what you're trying to say, yeah. Anyway, so they're moving to Atlanta. You guys, all, you guys on Korean, put your hands up. I know I had everyone stand up, but put your hand up. Come on. I'm not going to have you guys preach or you know come up and talk or anything at that point. I mean, no, they said no, but I know they would. But um, but we want to pray over them because this is their last Sunday with us. And so most of you guys know that. I don't know if it, I think you're pretty guys are pretty popular. Um, I'm kidding, but if you guys can come and maybe staff, and uh, we can just gather around you and pray over you. Come on, Wendy wants you to come. You you have to. Uh, First lady, when she yeah she's when she's going to take over, she just takes over. So um, they just felt like the Lord said, go so through some prophetic words, and and uh, and Korean has served on our board. He's still serving on our board. Um, I'm going to have him keep serving on our board. No. Uh, <laughs> even when he's in Atlanta. Uh, if I can have some of our board members, if you have served on the board and are currently serving on the board, would you come down and just pray for him? We just want to bless him. And if you're standing like all of y'all, most of y'all, just take your hand and stretch it out toward them. We just want to pray God's favor and blessing on them. And uh, what a beautiful family. I think your boy's getting taller than you are, though. Man, look at that. All right. So, Father, we thank you for the Thomas family. We thank you for the gift that they've been to us over the last, I don't know, five or six years. And, Lord, we just uh, just want to pray over them, and we want to bless them. We want to release them and bless them. And though they'll be in Atlanta, we'll be forever connected. And Lord, we just pray that you would prosper them in that ministry call that they have to go to the nations. Lord, I pray that there would be souls, tens and thousands and thousands of souls one to Jesus. Lord, I pray for a a movement to be started in the name of Jesus. And I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would rest on them and their family in the name of Jesus. We thank you for them. We thank you for for the gift that they are and we just send them out as a convergence family with full blessing, anointing, and power. We thank you for them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Yeah, you guys give them a hand. Just bless them. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.